Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. We continue in our sermon series, John, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. That is the foundational verse that we will get to eventually here in John as we go verse by verse through this gospel according to John. At this time, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are in a position to now open your word and worship. Our goal is to allow your truth to reveal who you are. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The following image that you're looking at is actually from a scene in a movie from 1998. Now, some of you may or may not know what this movie is. I know in our family we know what this movie is, but some of you may recognize this movie, maybe, maybe not. Tobey Maguire was in the movie along with Reese Witherspoon. It's the movie Pleasantville. Now, if you don't know what this movie is, uh, let me share it for you really quickly, and it has everything to do with what we're about ready to talk about. But if you notice here, this is Tobey Maguire's character speaking to his girlfriend in the movie, the, the girl he's trying to court. And the reason why I say court is because he wanted to give her his pen. You know, she wanted to wear the pen, Oh, okay. The, the reason why I'm speaking like this is because this movie took place in the 1950s. And basically it goes like this. So Tobey Maguire's character and Reese Witherspoon's character, they were brothers and sisters and they were from the 1990s. And Toby's favorite show was having a marathon that night. And long story short, through some bit of magic, some hocus pocus, who knows what went on actually, he received a special remote because they had to call a TV repair guy to their house to fix their TV. I know, you're, you're even thinking like a TV repair guy. Even in the 1990s, you didn't have that. Well, this special remote allowed them to actually be injected into the actual 1950 sitcom. And that sitcom was titled Pleasantville. And any of you that have watched anything from the 1950s on TV, like Leave it to Beaver or I Love Lucy or anything like that, For the most part, things seem much simpler and almost a little too perfect. And that's exactly what Pleasantville was. Pleasantville was the epitome of perfection. And this is the reason why you see the character that Tobey Maguire is playing. His name is Buddy here in in this particular episode with his girlfriend. And Buddy's in black and white. Everything's in black and white. But his girlfriend's in color. Now, let me share that with you. The reason why his girlfriend is in color is because... Before Toby and his sister got interjected into the actual sitcom itself, everything was in black and white. Everything was perfect. But then the two kids from the 1990s arrived in Pleasantville, and now what do we have? We have a problem on our hands because these two kids are spoiling the perfection. Now, Toby's character wanted everything to remain the same because he loved the show. His sister hated the show. She didn't want to be there. So what did she do? She started corrupting those on the show. 
See, it's amazing to me because the, the spiral went down quickly. I mean, I know it's a movie and it's a TV show, but the high school basketball team went from making every single shot that they ever shot, like never missing a shot, total perfection, to now not being able to make a shot. And as their eyes were exposed to what we would probably call sin in the church, actually that is what we would call it, we would definitely call it sin, they started to see things in color. And color started to happen, and perfection was lost. Brothers and sisters, see, this is what Hollywood writes when they write a script like this. Mankind only knows sin. Sin is all we've ever known since our birth. So, of course, a movie like this would be about ruining a seemingly perfect environment. So what about the opposite? What if a perfect man entered an imperfect environment? What if it was the opposite of what we see in this movie, Pleasantville, the description that you just heard? Could he then reveal perfection to that imperfect environment against the backdrop of imperfection? And all of this brings us to the title of our sermon this morning. And that title is this, The Word Became Flesh. The Word Became Flesh. Today we're going to be in John as described from earlier. We're going to be looking at John Chapter 1, verses 14 through 18. And we can't forget as we look at these verses this morning that last week we recognized Jesus Himself as being the true light. Also, we realize that He came into the world to expose eternal darkness. And we were introduced also last week to John the Baptist who preached a message of repentance. In fact, he preached a baptism of repentance. And we know this because we are children of God. That's how we're able to know that this is actually true, which we also learned. And we have received grace through Christ. Now today we're going to be touching on some of these things. We're going to be similar to how we were last week, but we'll also observe God as spirit who took on human flesh as Jesus. I want to say that again. God as spirit who took on human flesh as Jesus. Today we will observe as the word became flesh. So let's go ahead and get into our text this morning. We're looking at John chapter 1 verses 14 through 18. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about Him and called out, saying, This was He of whom I said, He who is coming after Me has provided to be My superior because He existed before Me. For of His fullness we have all received and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth, were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. God, the only Son who is in the arms of the Father, He has explained Him. Amen. 
As we observe these verses this morning, we're going to go ahead and put them into this one sentence to define everything that we're seeing. And that sentence becomes our main idea that states this. We only know grace and truth because God became flesh. We only know grace and truth because God became flesh. As we begin by just looking at verses 14 and 15, there's this doctrine, and it's called the Incarnation. And its cornerstone verse is actually verse 14, where it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We know from our sermon two weeks ago that in John 1.1, what did it say? That the Word was God, therefore revealing Jesus as God Himself. And that's the reason why our main idea makes all the sense in the world, because we're allowing the text to be preached and taught in context. And now in verse 14, it reveals that Jesus is God, and He's doing this in human form. This is the doctrine of incarnation. Jesus becoming flesh is no Hollywood script. Jesus becoming flesh is no Pleasantville. Jesus became flesh to reveal, as it says right here, His glory. Brothers and sisters, what two attributes of God does John use to describe His glory? What two attributes do we see right here in verse 14 that John uses to describe the glory of God? What does he say? He says, grace and truth. First, let's define the attributes of God, because before we even get into grace and truth, we need to understand what the attributes of God are. Actually, there's only one attribute of God. There's really only one. No, it's not love. It's not His mercy. It's not His justice. Brothers and sisters, it's His holiness, a.k.a. His perfection. Now, I know what you're thinking. I get it. Some of you right now are thinking, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. God is love. God is mercy. God is justice and a whole host of other attributes. Yes, you're right. He is. He is. But these are just sub-attributes. Every other attribute of God is really His sub-attribute because His main attributes or his sub-attributes derive from his main attribute, and that being holiness. Every other attribute of God exists because he is first and foremost holy. Brothers and sisters, this is the truth. This is why we believe in the gospel. And his holiness, according to the gospel, is the standard to which we're all judged. We're not judged according to any other standard other than the holiness of God Himself. That's heavy, isn't it? And this is why Jesus Himself revealed God's glory, which is why His glory reveals His as it says right here in our text, grace 
and truth. There's a reason why John is talking about these two sub-attributes to God's holiness. And without grace and truth, we would be crushed by God's holy standard. That's gospel truth. Jesus reveals grace because grace leads to the gift of faith. Faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ for our salvation because we cannot save ourselves. Jesus reveals truth because God is the sole authority on truth. There's no other authority when it comes to truth. God is the sole authority. That's the reason why we can say we believe in absolute truth. But the world doesn't want absolute truth. The world wants their truth to be subjective because they want to make truth what they want to make it for whatever is convenient for the way in which they want to live. Just look at this world. I mean, it's everywhere. What's real? What's fake? It's becoming increasingly more difficult to determine between the two. We have all different types of things. We have chat GPT, fake news, deep fakes, all on the back of some algorithm's manipulation. Manipulating us into falsehood, into lies. But we're being reminded right here in the Gospel of John that Jesus reveals grace and truth. So now, John the Baptist says in verse 15, what does he say here in verse 15? He says, Jesus is the one who is coming after me has proved to be my superior because he existed before me. That's right. Jesus existed before John the Baptist. Only a holy God could exist prior to and then after the birth of John. Again, from two weeks ago, in John chapter 1, verse 3, allow me to read this for you. All things came into being through Him. Apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Again, from two weeks ago, Jesus is pre-existent. Jesus pre-existed the creation of the heavens and the earth. And hopefully, some of you who were with us at that time remember our series that we did. We did five sermons titled, Jesus in the Old Testament. We covered five specific Christophanies. Now, I'm going to go ahead and define that word, Christophany. Christophany is a pre-incarnate version of Jesus. Now, remember what the incarnation is. It's God becoming flesh. It's a doctrine that we know to be true. But these Christophanies that we covered were all examples of Jesus coming to earth in flesh prior to His being born of the Virgin Mary. He visited Abraham in Genesis 18. He wrestled with Jacob in Genesis 32. He appeared to Joshua in Joshua 5, and he got into the fiery furnace. You remember when he got into the fiery furnace? Because we covered that one in Jesus in the Old Testament with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3. Jesus showed up 
prior to him being birthed to the Virgin Mary. These Christophanies, though, were only previews. They were only fleeting moments. Now we see John directing our attention away from the previews, away from the fleeting moments, directly towards the main attraction. And that's what he is setting up for us this morning. The main attraction of Jesus. The eternal embodiment of God becoming flesh. The main attraction featuring what? Oh, that's right. Grace and truth. And as we move to verses 16, 17, and 18, 16 says, For of His fullness we have received fullness as in reference to God's totality. The totality of who God is has been received. Therefore, think about His main attribute then. If we're seeing God's totality here in verse 16, His main attribute is His holiness. All His other attributes, all these sub-attributes come from the fact that God is actually holy. And so His sub-attribute, grace, we see John in verse 16 by saying, what does He say? Grace upon what? Grace. Grace upon grace. Grace upon grace means grace replacing grace, replacing grace, replacing just that, grace. I've read it described like this. It's like going down to the beach and you watch the waves come in. You don't know when they start and when they stop. The only thing you know is that those waves keep coming on to the beach. That is God's grace. It is grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace that we receive. Romans chapter 5 verse 2 says this, Through whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we celebrate in hope of the glory of God. Church, we're, we're standing on God's grace. We're standing upon this replenishing grace that God is showing us. And He keeps replenishing the grace that we need. There is no break in His grace. There is no fence in His grace. There's no wall to His grace. There's no military line to His grace between us and the never-ending grace of God, that's what Jesus reveals. Now, the law was given through Moses, wasn't it, as we're being reminded here, and that's for the purpose of revealing our sinfulness. Now, the law harbors absolutely no grace whatsoever. No grace within the law. When you look at the Ten Commandments, there is no grace. In fact, the law will outright get you killed. That's what the law says. The law says, you will die. The purpose of the law through Moses then is to lead us to grace and truth through Jesus Christ. Who will outright get us saved. Brothers and sisters, we really have two choices. That's it. 
we have two choices. Either we can live under the law as dead men walking, or we can receive grace upon grace, upright walking towards eternity. A dead man walking thinks they're pretty good. In fact, a dead man walking thinks that they are a pretty good person. And that's really the biggest misconception. It's thinking that you are a good person. Anybody who thinks that they are a good person doesn't know grace. Anybody who thinks that they're a good person has yet to receive God's grace because if you've received God's grace, you know you need that replenishing grace. You know you need that grace upon grace. You know you need that grace coming in to your life like waves one after another. Just keep them rolling in. Keep them rolling in, right? A dead man walking thinks that they're a pretty good person. But an upright man walking towards eternity knows that the only good in and about them is what it says right here. His fullness. His fullness received grace upon grace. Again, one will get you killed and the latter will get you saved. So as Joe comes up and we close out this morning, I'd like to say something about verse 18. First, we observe that this verse is really a summary of verses 14 through 17 that we've covered this morning. Secondly, no one, as it says right here, has seen God at any time. Because no one can see God and live to tell about it. Nobody can see God and live to tell about it. Think about Moses going up to the Mount in Sinai when he was in Chicano glory. As he came down off that mountain, his face shone less and less. Why is this? It's because he was in the presence of the Lord, but the Israelites couldn't go on the mountain, could they? If they did, they would have been destroyed. Brothers and sisters, God is just that holy. We're not able to be in his presence without an intermediary like Jesus extending grace to us so we can be in that relationship. And that's why we go back and say God's moral central attribute is His holiness and anything else we see coming from His holiness is really just something because His holiness existed in the first place. So why do you think, why do you think we had to deal with Christophanes prior to? Why did God use Christophanes? Well, it's simple It's because the holiness of God fully exposed would have killed Abraham. It would have killed Jacob. It would have killed Joshua. It would have killed the witnesses to the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And this is why, as it says right here, the only son who is in the arms of the Father, he has explained him. So what has he actually explained then? What is it that Jesus has explained? He's explained the gospel is all about grace upon grace upon grace. He's explained to us that the gospel is all about replenishing grace, and that's the message that we get to share. 
that we serve a God who is first and foremost holy. And his message is he wants to continually shower you with his grace so he can be in a relationship with you because this is no Hollywood script that we live in. This is no Pleasantville in which we live in. This is about our sin and the grace upon grace necessary for us to continually repent in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Word, who became flesh. And this is the reason why this morning we said this. We only know grace and truth because God became flesh. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we continue to study the book of John, our prayer is to be able to apply your truth to our lives in a way that others can come to a saving faith. I pray that we can encourage one another in your word. I pray that we can be about continual repentance because we know that it's grace upon grace, that you will replenish all the grace that we would ever need to be in a relationship with you. It is in the name of Jesus who makes this prayer possible. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.